When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I love my HBCU And boy, boy I love it, love it yeah. I love it, love it yeah, yeah. I love my HBCU yeah. And man yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. man. I hope my team they won one yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab To see if my team won a loss if they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a loss, yeah. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Doctorville inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bitch. Getting in there, starting the new year, gentlemen. How you doing? Charles gave you y'all had assignments. You were doing the thing in Montgomery, so in Mobile, excuse me. So people are saying they got an excuse for your assignment. Mike sounds <laughs> like you're on the road, so maybe you can use that one uh, as you are ex- exercising your new year twist. With that being said, I hope both of y'all had great holidays in terms of your Christmas with your family and all seriousness and that uh, you start in 2024 great with the new year. No doubt. Looking forward to it. Yes. Um, was down in Mobile, Alabama with the uh, HBC Pigskin Classic. Got an opportunity to do play-by-play down there along with Simone Stanley from uh, HBCU game day. But, uh, you know, enjoyed that. And uh, like I said, got an opportunity to spend some time with the family during Christmas and New Year. So 2024. HBCU Athletics, ready to rock and roll. Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, Doc. Hopefully you can hear me, correct? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, so I am in New Orleans with the family. My daughter is a product of the University of Texas. My middle son will soon be a product of the University of Texas as he's been accepted to the biomechanical engineering program. So, and I have so many more ties to the University of Texas, always been a Texas fan. So, both sons had tickets to the bowl game, had a chance to come out, check out the festivities, but tack on a couple of extra days of festivities in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl with uh, New Orleans versus Washington. So, other than that, had a chance to throw some days of relaxation, ready to kick off the new year and start it all right. Love you guys, baby. Miss you, baby. <laughs> Sounds good. Congratulations to the middle son uh, with that opportunity. Sounds like y'all had a rough evening last night, though. It didn't quite go down your way to that last second. Uh, had your heart uh, tugged oh, from. Oh, man, you talking about a deflating, needle deflating 
uh, the balloon. Boy, the streets were filled with nothing but UT folks, and all of a sudden, that balloon just and and it just deflated with that one second miss pass opportunity. So, uh, unfortunately, missed it, but they'll be back here next year. So, well, uh, we'll see what happens with that. As we say, we we shall see. Uh, a couple of folks got deflated. Sound like a celebration, both for the Howard Bison. Uh, they kind of felt that same. Bullet didn't quite go that way uh, during the Celebration Bowl, speaking of championships. With that being said, welcome to episode 475 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. Those shows are covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports, for institutions large and small from the NEIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports culture. HBCU athletics facilitate the story of HBCU athletic HBCU programs HBCU and the business of HBCU sports. HBCU. I'm your host, Dr. Yadkaville, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, coming from our home studios in Sydney, Signal Live, Case Ways 1230 AM Studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in a beautiful home at Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Well, you would think it's time to get into basketball, men's and women's, mm, uh, mm. and I guess shortly, Hopefully, we don't have much other choice as we get into conference play essentially next week and beyond, and that's at the major division level. At the mid-major division, they have started some conference plays. They're in three or four games. That's how you see some of them are in as much as five games in terms of conference plays. CIAA, you're talking about three or four games. But with that being said, I think there's some other news that uh, people may want to kind of dialogue about, get their hands on. If you have not heard this, you probably literally have been under the rock or been out at sea on a ship somewhere where you literally just could not get information. I think everybody else has got this. I'm going to go to Charles and let him uh, put this out on the table uh, in terms of the news today. There's a couple of things. You can go one or two different directions, but either one of them going to be hot. So I want to see which direction you're going to head into, Charles. Oh, no doubt. Well, obviously what has been in the news, Willie Simmons is leaving Florida A&M for Duke. Uh, Willie Simmons uh, will be uh, leaving Florida A&M for an assistant running backs coaching position at Duke. Uh, Simmons will completed his fourth season at FAMU, guided the program to its first Swag East title, a conference championship, and won the Celebration Bowl this season. He has an overall record of 66 and 24 overall between Prairie View and FAMU. The Rattlers have gone an impressive 45 and 13 under his leadership, including three different seasons with nine wins. So uh, Willie Simmons and, 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 and Manny will join Manny Diaz's staff at Duke. They both, both worked on the same staff uh, while they were at Middle Tennessee State from 2007 to 2009. Uh, of course, Coach Simmons, he began his coaching career as an assistant at Clemson, where he played quarterback. So uh, well, we have to acknowledge, you know, uh, Florida A&M did a tremendous job uh, in terms of uh, a lot of things that they were doing to try to uh, keep Willie Simmons into the fold. So uh, that was extremely impressive. But uh, ultimately, he decided to take the uh, running back's position at Duke. With that being said, I want to save a little dialogue on that into the second segment because there's a couple of ways we can look at that, and I want to get both of your thoughts on that. But we'll park that right there as you talk, talk about that, him taking the running back's position. I'm sure both of you all will have dynamic thoughts on what that looks like. 
and your perspective of you know whatever direction you go in terms of your comments on that will be intriguing. Uh, in addition to that, also there's the other side of that in terms of people who are following in a lot of ways the alumni and the money they raise in regards to looking to see if they could match something that may allure him to stay uh, in terms of that. And regardless how you feel about that, the fact that they were able to do it in that short of time, I certainly want to get uh, both of y'all's thoughts on that, particularly with Mike in terms of the marketing branding, his thoughts from a business perspective, what does that look like? How can other institutions maybe find a way to utilize some of the lessons learned from that moving forward on similar type of projects? But as we do, I say, let's hold on to that so we can take a deeper dive and really get your insights. Uh, but before we go uh, to that segment in the second part of the show, I want to go to you, Mike, and get some other news of the day. What's uh, out there in regards to some news that has your interest at this time right now? Man, so if you've been monitoring kind of the Twitter waves, the IG waves, you, you've heard a lot about what is Texas Southern going to do. It's been particularly close to me. What are they going to do with the absence of a coach? So after Thursday morning meeting with this Board of Regents, Texas Southern uh, is still a, a college without a football coach. And you ask yourself that bit proverbial why. So board of, uh, the Board of uh, Brandon, uh, Board of Chair, Brandon Simmons said in a statement, uh, Texas Southern University's Board of Regents is committed to taking every opportunity to elevate the university. What does that mean? What does that mean? You have vacancies across the board. You have it. So the board and Dr. Kevin Granger are aligned on being uh, hold, uh, hold in a, holding a strategic moves in decision-making in the rest, but still no decision has been made. So there's a whole lot of rhetoric, but the bottom line decision is, what is Texas Southern going to do? Uh, you know, the, you know, the board of regents, they, you know, they're excited about new leadership's bold strategic movement, um, but they still continue to delay this decision. There's a lot of rhetoric, and I can read you all of the words, all of the stuff that's come across on Twitter, but I don't know if that would be any... But I don't know if that would be of any benefit. What is Texas Southern going to really do going in into a critical part of football recruiting period? You know, so you've seen a lot of that. That's news of the day. There's no specifics to it, Dr. Cavill, Chuck, but what is really – what is Texas Southern going to do? Is Fred McNair going to be that person? It's been rumored and reported that, you know, Fred McNair is – you know, he's resigned his position – He's available. Is he going to be that person? But still no decision has been made. So to me, that's my news of the day. It's a big question mark. It's a question mark wrapped in an enigma. What is Texas Southern going to do? Hey, great question. And I wish I'd known. Uh, I will let y'all know. But I don't even know in regards to what's going on in terms of that decision. I guess we'll be able to park that and save that and get some dialogue because it sounds like there's some feedback and people's thoughts on that. What was fascinating to me, you know, we did a show on Tuesday. Um, we were looking for what could we discuss. And usually you have the year end that you discuss year ending news, who had great cycles and things of this nature. This was Tuesday. 
we kind of heard a meeting was going on with TSU Thursday and maybe a little bit of information out there, uh, depending on who you looked at, maybe in terms of Willis Simmons, but for the most part, all that was quiet. You didn't know anything. So it was amazing to me literally in a week's time, you know, what has taken place. And it seems like, you know, you talking about a new year. It literally seems like it was a year worth of news packed into one week. So I, it was just hard to me imagine. Things started off on Thursday uh, with the decision of Texas Southern uh, to defer uh, a decision. Um, and just when you get lathered up and you hear reports going out, what are people's thoughts on that? All of a sudden, you have the dynamic drop in, in terms of Coach Willis Simmons. So I was like, wow. I'll add this part of it uh, because in a lot of ways, this got lost. <laughs> but it's pretty big news as well. Mickey Joseph has Jason Rollins. And for those that have followed HBCUs, remember that Jason Rollins was defensive coordinator for Southern University under Coach Odoms. He took over the leadership role in terms of interim position for a year, uh, could not quite make it through the year. And they actually brought in Eric Dooley to replace him. But guess what? Eric Dooley is going back to Grambling as well. So both Jason Rollins and Eric Dooley to Grambling's coaching staff. This is from HBCU Sports. Uh, for the position on his coaching staff, new Grambling coach, Mickey Joseph, has filled in with names that will be particularly familiar, as I just broke down. Joseph recently let the proverbial Jaguars out of the bag when he ind indicated during an appearance on Talk radio station 93.7, the ticket in Lincoln, Nebraska, that Jason Rollins would be his defensive coordinator. Remember, Mickey is coming from Nebraska, where he was a coach there, ended up being the interim coach for a short period of time at closing of the seasons. Rollins served as Southern's interim coach in 2021, following Dawson Odom's departure to Norfolk State. In 2023, Rollins was an assistant in Terry Bowden's staff at Louisiana Monroe, which also in included former Grambling head coach Rob Roderick Fobbs. According to Lincoln Paris Journal, former Jaguars coach Eric Dooley will be Tigers' offensive coordinator. So Dooley uh -oh. will be a return to old stomping grounds uh -oh. as he previously served in the role on the coach uh, Roderick Fobbs staff from 2014-2017. Dooley was Southern's head coach for the past two years, compiling a 12-10 overall record in 9-6 mark in the SWAT. He was fired at November 4th, after a 5-5 five five start, those said that he preferred coaches with swack experience for his coordinators. When it came to coordinators, I want guys who coached in the conference, Joe said, because they know the conference, end quote. Very intriguing um, in terms of him going that direction. A lot of people that know a part of it, you got to believe a lot of folks that want to prove themselves. Yes, sir. In a um, and so it's going to be fascinating in terms of what that looks like. You tie it all together because you heard Dawson Odom's Norfolk State name in there. Well, guess who kicks off the season in, in the MEAC SWAC Challenge next year? Norfolk State and FAMU. We don't even know who the head coach of that's going to be. So that's fascinating news for me in regards to what that looks like. And so as the world turns, uh, and look at HBCU sports as we would like to turn the page to basketball. I'm not sure if we can quite do that yet because <laughs> it sounds like the world of SWAC continues to turn. And as they say, roughing the SWAC, it is fascinating right there. Mike, I'm going to part right there. I'm going to give you a chance me. to get in here and get some dialogue because right. I do want to take some time and I don't want you to rush through that. I really want to hear your thoughts. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll break down these news of the day. We'll get you a chance to do a whole segment of touching on each one of these, uh, however you feel in terms of what that looks like. So let's take our first break, come back on the other side, and we can do just that, getting into some deeper thoughts and dialogue. As we get in this year, I would like to kind of hear your favorite moments of the year, but we'll see if we can squeeze that in as well, uh, because we didn't get that from you all uh, uh, this past weekend, and I would be remiss if I didn't get you to at least kind of give your thoughts and stamp 2023 because for some people, they certainly want to lead 2023 back over there as they start anew in 2024. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. And Happy New Year's 2024 to everybody watching. We're back. It's time for the 2024 Urban Nerd Con. Join us in Atlanta, Georgia, April 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel. Special guests include Underworld creator Kevin Grievous. Gary Gray from Fairly Odd Parents, from Nickelodeon, Giovanni Samuels, the Science Machine, Michael Green, the Sci-Fi Sisters, and from Spaceballs and Star Trek Voyager, Tim Russ. Hi, I'm Tim Russ. Join me April 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia, for the Urban Nerd Con. Our heroes, our villains, our stories. Everyone con. I'll see you there. Live long and prosper. Visit the mentoring, life skills for teens, and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yessa yes, and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. As we talked about some of the hot news, we're gonna get into it. Willie Simmons 
leads Florida a and for Duke. And there's many angles you can look at it. So um, I'm going to see where y'all go first. Then I'll back and come back and maybe provide some extra questions and see other angles that you may not have thought about or certainly not spoke about in this uh, segment here. So let me go to you, Mike, uh, first in regards. What were your thoughts? I know you heard everything popping off. When did you kind of first hear about it? Uh, at that point, what did you see? What came to mind when you first heard the news that uh, either this happened or that it may be happening? Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, first thoughts were, if you look at his track record, his record for success, uh, you always had in the back of your mind that there was a possibility. The question for the swag is, when you have a person of his pedigree and they have a track record and then moving on, does this create an open road for in the, uh, future coaches to step into that role, be it for three, four years, and move on? Is this Does this become a future leveraging board for SWAC coaches to move to the next league? Uh, he's moving on to a running backs coach or assistant coach. Does this create basically kind of a precedence for coach future coaches in this way? Is this the market that we're dealing with, you know, so to speak? Um, and you know, if you know anything about Coach Simmons, he's destined for more success. But does is this the new swag coach? Do you not no longer have the Pete Richardsons, the Eddie Robinsons of the world? Will they stay long? I think you're there. But now, is has that period shortened? And do you now have a track record where I spent three or four years, become successful here, then I moved on? Is, is it now? That, to me, from a business standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, those are the things that came to my mind. You have a guy like, he, he is going to be gone and do great things. If you know person, personality-wise, but has this set the precedence for coaches moving through the swag? Look at Dion, maybe an anomaly, but you look at other coaches. Has this now set a future precedence? Great question. Uh, and we'll come back and really see if we can get an answer to that. But before we do that, let me go to Charles. And same question to you, Charles, before we get into that. What were your thoughts? When did you hear about it? You know, as you start hearing about it, was it, you know, after the case it was done or you were hearing that maybe it was coming? Mm -hmm. And with that being said, what were your thoughts? My initial thoughts is uh, to answer Mike's question, we are no longer in that period of, of time where a coach is – uh, or, or Pete Richardson or, or, or uh, in that ilk where a coach is uh, at an institution like an Eddie Robson, like a W.C. Gordon for 10-plus years. Uh, those days are, are, are forever gone. Uh, the reality of it is it's just like um, uh, I, I think there, there's a, 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 part, a part in, in, in American Gangster. What are you going to do when success takes a shot at your success? And, and that's that was my initial thought. Uh, and what was impressive to me was the way the FAMU community um, didn't stand back flat foot. It didn't, you know, I'm sure, you know, you're going to have people within the fan base that will, you know, sort of begrudge the move or, or he shouldn't go or things like that. Get, you got to move beyond it. Uh, the reality of it is he had tremendous success in the swag. There will be other suitors coming to call with more money. Uh, and and the, the, the thing that was impressive was 
uh, from an administrative standpoint, they didn't stand back flat foot. They tried to raise money uh, from the standpoint of, of uh, enticing them to stay there. Uh, but even more so, you know, you sort of created this sort of, 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 of donor base that wants to see this program, whether whomever comes in to coach it, uh, they want to continue to see this this program be successful. And that was the impressive thing to me, uh, where it wasn't a, a, a whole lot of dialogue about why, what he's doing to the culture and this, that, and the other. You know, it was almost as though they understood that this day was going to come at some point and they were able to pivot and move forward. That was the thing that, that, that caught me that was tremendously impressive. Quite a few things that both of y'all uh, put in those dialogues and answering that. So let's unpack some of them. One of the first things comes to mind as you talk about that the day of age of coaches staying in a position for 10 years uh, is many, many moons ago. So my question to you to follow up, um, why is that? Why do you believe that's the case? Obviously, there's some evidence out there to show that it's certainly not the case. But what do you think are the factors that are creating the environment uh, that that is not the case? If you have an Charles. opportunity, if you have an opportunity to move up and make a certain amount of income, I, I think you would be foolhardy to not look at that. Uh, to to go from making you know three hundred some odd thousand to five six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I, I I think you have there's a reality uh, to the fact that uh, I think. Coaches who have an opportunity uh, to to make that sort of income for their family, of course they're going to look at it. Of course they're going to pivot and do what they think is best for their family, and 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 you can't begrudge them for that. Yep, and there's a saying. So, Mike, let me ask you this question in context with that, uh, which probably will bring in some of the thoughts that you were about to agree uh, with Charles. But I want to get this particular. So. Another question along with that, are the only coaches that are able to have the level of success, uh, for the most part, we're talking about recently with the last two coaches that have left on their own accord, because we also have the other side of this, but coaches that didn't have success were also dismissed, and they had short lifespans. So there's two edges of this sword. Whether you're doing well, it seems like you may leave, or if you're not doing well, you're going to get pushed and exited as well. So I want to make sure that we uh, are looking at this holistically from both sides. But with that being said, are the only coaches that are, that are able to have the level of success as Coach Willie Simmons and Coach Prime are individuals that have, have their background? What are your thoughts on that, Mike? I, I, I would disagree. I think there's a saying in the corporate world, the market calls and demands excellence and know your worth. So I think with them, they have the pedigree and the track record of success. You look at this Washington coach. He was an NAIA coach. He won three NAIA championships, and he was able to make that same similar trek, maybe maybe not to the HBCU ranks, but when you demonstrate a level of excellence in NAIA, Division uh, Division One, FCS, whatever, the market, it always calls for success. And if you know your value, it will weed out those ones who are able to bring on demonstrative success. So you bring on Dion. There are certain qualities that attach to those abilities. Bring on Dion, market value, 
tremendous recruiter. You bring on Coach Simmons, tremendous builder of men. They all have market value. So they're going to go with the market. Uh, like it, love it, or leave it. It is just, we you know what CB said, it is the market we live in. And it, it, it behoves us as the university, as the organization, you now have a new market model. You now have a new track for these types of individuals. So it's not these, these two types of individuals. There are certain individuals who have a, a, an ability, an innate ability to build successful programs, whether whatever level, and then they're going to go where their market work is. The market is going to call So let me jump in there because I think we get the point there. Let me jump in there and ask this question, uh, which is a challenge for me. If that is the case, why do you believe Trey Oliver at North Carolina Central over the last two years didn't have that market to me? As Coach so, as a Coach Brown. I think it's a matter of time. Now, if he had gone back-to-back undefeated uh, in the MEAC, uh, 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 much the same way that we saw uh, Coach Prime do it in the SWAC and Coach Willis Simmons do it at FAMU. I, I think, yeah, he would have had suitors as well. Uh, I think, you know, maybe, maybe that track gets tripped up just from the fact that they did not uh, go back-to-back. They weren't back-to-back champions in the NBA. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that he, he puts but, together another... But, but Simmons didn't go back-to-back. No, but I mean, you take a look at his track record, forty-five and thirteen. I mean, that, that's 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 pretty doggone good. He did go undefeated in the swag this past season, so I, guess, I mean, I, guess I, I think that there's something to that. Yeah, there are no. And, and, yeah, and, I think and, 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 and my the reason point, I ask that is if you look at Trey Oliver's last year and this year's season, they're very equivalent to Coach Simmons. Both of them won one conference championship. Uh, they had very few losses, one conference loss over the last two years. Uh, both of them had big wins non-conference. I would argue Trey Oliver maybe had bigger non-conference wins than uh, Coach Simmons. Obviously, Coach Simmons had less opportunity to do that. So I, that's the only reason I pause on that. I'm not so sure that I necessarily agree. I, I, I guess. Well, I, guess. I, I mean, I, I guess I look at it from a standpoint. I, 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 I guess I look at it from this standpoint. I, I, I guess maybe Trey Oliver has not – jumped at an offer that probably has been in his, in his lap. So, I, you know. I, and I guess that's my I question. Was, I, I, guess I, been, I guess that's that's the fundamental point of my question. Why hasn't he had that opportunity? Go ahead, Mike. Is it really he hasn't had that opportunity or he hasn't put himself or marketed himself as being available to that opportunity? I think there's a difference. I don't know that question. Um, so you're telling me that both Coach Prime and Coach Simmons market themselves for that position and opportunity. I think what you have to miss is with with marketing, there's a certain factor. It may be subjective, whatever is if an individual an individual is perceived as available and maybe they've marketed themselves, whether Coach Simmons marketed himself or not, he never closed the door. You, yeah, I don't and, think anybody's turning down phone calls. I, exactly. I just, so yeah, I don't right, know, and, so and I, I don't, I don't either. And I guess that's the fundamental thing. I'm, I'm curious to why Coach Trey Oliver's phone has not rung like these others. And I'll give you my opinion on this since I put it out there and asked that. I think a lot of this we don't really, really yeah. put as much stock in the fact that a lot of this is also about relationships. Yeah, yeah. Coach Prime had relationships in addition to his success that allowed him to parlay that in another opportunity. 
Coach Simmons had relationships along with his success that had that. And because he came out of a pool where he had a most more diverse pool of relationships, those individuals went on. Trey Oliver, um, for example, in terms of that, most of his relationships are internal to HBCU programs in regards to where he cut his teeth getting up to the level of success. So it's going to be interesting as we continue to see this case study is what we're looking at. It's a very live case study to see uh, if your premise in regards is more correct, that those opportunities will come. If Trey Allah con continues to have the level of success, uh, will those opportunities come for him? Or is this one of those one-off uh, components of that? We've only seen two, two coaches, three coaches essentially, be able to lead and get a head coaching position outside of the HBCU sports since 30 years. That's Willie Jeffries and Coach Prime for the most part. So I just don't quite see the evidence that it is the case. We've seen a couple of good positions, uh, which now Coach Willie Simmons, and we also have Jerry Mack. And both of those were, in terms of their success, they also had relationships with those individuals in the past. Those individuals got opportunities, and because they knew, trusted those folks and knew the quality, they got those opportunities. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see in this world we live in uh, how much of your level of success follows also your ability in terms of the relationships you, you have with people in, uh, in the past. Yeah, I think we're very early in that process, but I, I, I know this. I mean, if if a coach does do a, a, an undefeated season or do or does back-to-back -back undefeated seasons, I, I have no doubt they're going to start fielding offers. I, I Unfortunately, I know for T.C. Taylor, this is his last 7-4 season. He has to improve year in, year out, or Jackson State's fan base is going to be, you know, be in a tizzy after a while. So, you know. I, I'm not arguing it. I just say yeah. it. I open it up. The question is, if you're not successful, in two, three years, you're going to get dismissed. So yeah. I'm not arguing that that's not the case. I'm saying that if you look at the records, I'm talking about currently over the last two years, we'll see next year if this happens again, he does that. Over the last two years, we'll see uh, if he'll get that other can. I'm saying if you look just paper blank and you look at the records of the last two years, Trey Oliver and Coach Willie Simmons basically have the same resume. You can't argue. They have the same resume. You're saying that Trey Oliver has to do additional more to get his next opportunity. And obviously, mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to leave or not. He might turn it down. He might have a different perspective. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, saying or I don't he know. might take let, it as let, you talked about. But I'm just let me, saying from that perspective. Let, let me that say he didn't get those offers. All you say that is to me when I say that, it's a formula. No, Yeah, you don't know. There's a formula. Oh, Number I know. One. Yeah, there's a formula. I know. So okay. you, I know, and I, and I know you're on the inside, but there are a couple of variables. <laughs> he told that, me, you know, there's a fact, couple. He of, told folks he would do the job for Coach Prime and half the price. Now everybody thought he was joking, and we'll, you know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I'll leave that up to him. But I know them offers didn't come. Like what you talking about? That's I, all I, I'm saying. The offers I, didn't come. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And the other thing we say in corporate relationship deals success. But the other thing is, oh yeah, that's, that's what I said. And that's what you said. No, that's what you said. But 
but the other thing is how, how marketable if you compare marketable Trey Oliver to Willie Simmons no one always yeah I mean what do you get That's there's a, a point. Formula. so you 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 want me to believe that because Willie Simmons got the offer from Duke because he was more marketable than Trey Oliver that's right well, there plus, in North Carolina plus the record plus plus the relationship plus the record plus the relationship plus the relationships are the big thing yeah the relationships that's all I'm not saying that that don't exist everything else you put on there but the relationships are significant that's all I'm saying. Let's take our next break. This was good. We'll get back on the other side and see if I can get y'all into your mix a little more on the next subject in regards to taking a deeper dive. See where you go with that. We'll stay right back. We'll come back on the other side. Itchy. Squirmy. Scratchy. Family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interests and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471, thamptonlaw.com. Nope. Nope. I want him. Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com when it comes to professional press the analytic data with your hip hop if you know them like I know them they gonna tell you if your team if they wanna love so listen to Professor Yes sir and pay attention because he gonna teach a lesson this is Dr. Wills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, giving your thoughts on the news of the week. The first of the year, boy, it got a little interesting in folks sharing their thoughts. They want you to know uh, as the comments got big, but we're going to switch. We're going to go over to the next one. Uh, when you got a new coach coming in, Miss Mickey Joseph, he's cut his teeth in the swag, all porn, uh, but then he then at LSU, Nebraska, 
but he comes in and names an offensive defensive coordinator that he says has swack experience. We've always had the dialogue in regards to, you know, getting outside of the swack to hire coaches and things of that nature. Um, and some people agree with it. Some people don't, obviously, for multiple reasons. But in terms of these hires, first, Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of these hires, just generally speaking? Um, at least with the Eric Dooley hire, my first thought was, yeah, he, he hired somebody that's got a big chip on his shoulder. Uh, okay, wait to uh, get back in the conference and show what he could do, especially uh, with regards to uh, being that uh, that man on, on over an offense, um, so I, I like it from that standpoint. Point to 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 hire somebody who who has a chip on their shoulder that, that's more than willing to prove it. Jason Robinson, to to, to a lesser extent, same thing. Uh, had the interim job down there, at Southern. So now we got this Grambling Jaguar sort of you know dynamic up there uh, up there at uh, Grambling. So it's it's really interesting. But I, I like the additions to the staff and. And, you know, well, this is about as long as I've seen Grambling down. I, I, I just, I, I don't, you don't traditionally see a Grambling football program uh, that's, you know, not in the thick of things in the swag. So uh, this is a big proving year, I think, for Grambling football. And that puts more pressure, I think, on Mickey Joseph in year one. That's a great point when you said you don't think of Grambling being traditionally down for this long period of time. I will say this. I'm not sure that uh, Rollins' chip is not as big as Dooley's chip. <laughs> to your yeah. point, they yeah. might have the same folders on each right. shoulder, looking to knock each one of them off uh, when it comes around the swag. So that's fascinating when you bring that point up. And you talk about uh, Southern Grandland matchups are uh, as big as they oh. get. Oh but they God. become that more interesting. Yeah. I guess Grandland says, okay, you gonna do what we did with your assistant coach and make him the head coach, and then you hire him full time. Well, watch what we do. We're gonna take both from your former coaches, and we're gonna make them offensive and defensive coordinators, respectively, uh, coming into the year. That is just fascinating in terms of the storyline. But let me go to Mike and get his thoughts in terms of these hires, Coach Dooley and Coach Rollins at Grambling State University under the new head coach, Mickey Jokes. Mike? Yeah, sorry. So, question, look out for the State Farm Classic. Because it's, it's a couple of coaches with some demons exercise. Y'all mentioned the Bayou Classic, State Farm Classic. Newly done lost to Prairie View. That was the one that put the nail in the coffin. Uh, I, don't, I don't know which one. Yeah, has to pick. I didn't think about the State Fair Classic. That, I, I don't know which one has it. And Grambling ain't doing too well in the State Fair Classic as well. So, which one has the bigger demons to exercise? And uh, to think about that, when you talk about that, Dooley was at Prairie View that put the nail in uh, in the coffin for Rollins. Exactly. Uh, they lost, and then Bubba was the one that did it to Dooley. So, so yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to see what the the, the meeting rooms look like with the, when they sit next to each other, <laughs> and then then they come to stay for a classic. So that's that's the first thing that caught to my mind with that. So we'll see. This is going to be interesting. Can the can the also can the Boons match the recruiting? They done bought an OC and a DC in that were former head coaches. 
Now, can they get the talent in to match the supposed level of coaching and to really bring Grambling back? Because to CB's point, see, Grambling's been off the scene for a minute. Can they bring the talent in as well as matching the coaching level to really bring Grambling back to the forefront? Good stuff there. So let me follow up and stay with you, Mike, and then I'll come with you, Charles, this same question. What are your thoughts in terms of specifically uh, Coach Mickey Joseph uh, liking the idea of getting coordinators that are familiar with the SWAC or familiar with the conference? Um, you see this at various conferences at various levels that a lot of times, you know, a program that has success or a coach that's familiar with the way that the conference plays football, um, recruits in different things of that nature, folks will ultimately get coaches that are familiar with that. What are your thoughts, Mike, in regards to that unique uh, component of one of the reasons why these hires seem to be made? I think it's unique, and I actually think it's a good move for 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 Joseph's sake because it is in one in one aspect you could say it's about coaching, but as you said it. It's also about recruiting. They know the swag. They know the regions of the swag. To me, it's more so about recruiting. Cannot bring that talent to Grambling. Uh, when you bring the coach, you bring in the talent that comes with that coach. So I think it's a genius move. And that's why I said in my previous statement, with this move, does this also bring the talent with that move? So I think it's a great move. Good stuff. Charles, I think a lot of people have talked about Dooley in terms of the recruiting trail, but I think in a lot of ways, uh, if you would, Rollins probably goes unsaid. Uh, you know, he recruited some many of those defensive players over the last two years, the year before he got there under, obviously, Coach Odoms, which had some fierce defenses. Some of those players stayed over during his tenure and even in terms of the first year of Dooley. That was a very formidable defense. A lot of people didn't have questions about Southern's defense, maybe offensively, yeah. uh, but I think Rollins may be just as depth in terms of his recruiting, specifically on that side of the ball, much as people as heralded Dooley's recruiting. What do you talk about their ability to recruit? Because I saw you shake your head in an affirmation in terms of Mike talking about how much of this also is about recruiting, if not more. Yeah, and I think the big thing is uh, you've brought two people onto your staff. Can you get back into the New Orleans area? And we know that New Orleans area is 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 deep, deep with 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 talent. And uh, when I, when you talk about major urban uh, areas in terms of recruiting, you talk about Houston, New Orleans, Atlanta. Now, now in Dallas. And Dallas now with the footprint being over in Florida, you know you you got you got Florida in play. But but you know I, I think there's been a disconnect. Uh, with Grambling, especially getting into that 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 uh, talent rich area in the New Orleans area, we know that 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 is a uh, that is a uh, Dooley's trademark being able to get down there and, and mine that, that talent down there, especially looking for quarterbacks. So probably a question I would have asked them in terms of you know uh, they're not having success uh, at Southern. How can we turn this around at Grambling? What is it that you did not do that now you know uh, that you can bring up here to Grambling? So I'm sure that that question was probably somewhere on the table. So to be able to answer that uh, probably made that uh, situation even more uh, unique in terms of bringing in two coaches who knew this conference. I think probably every situation is, is unique, but I think this fits Grambling's profile to a team. 
Good stuff. Selling points made by both of you. We're going to turn the page, get into the last segment, if you would. Talk a little bit more about coaches in waiting or next coach up or vacancies in coaching in terms of the direction for Texas Southern University, FAMU for that matter now, and even Morehouse College, which is still open, uh, which are fascinating in regards to the clock. We're literally, if you look at uh, one day in terms of Wednesday, we're literally uh, one day away in a month from signing day, which is the first Wednesday in February. With that being said, take our next break. We'll come back on the other side and get back into some dialogue with these two gentlemen weighing in on the closing news of the year. Uh, let's see what they think as we come back, right back after this last break. Professional learning, teachers deserve better. From the leader in online learning, Stride brings you the Stride Professional Development Center, an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that gives teachers choice and flexibility, allowing them to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. It's time you take charge of your learning. Visit us today to get started. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, Visit us today to take charge of your learning. We're back. It's time for the 2024 Urban NerdCon. Join us in Atlanta, Georgia, April 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel. Special guests include Underworld creator Kevin Grievous, Gary Gray from Fairly Odd Parents, from Nickelodeon, Giovanni Samuels, the science machine Michael Green, the Sci-Fi Sisters, and from Spaceballs and Star Trek Voyager, Tim Russ. Hi, I'm Tim Russ. Join me April 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia for the Urban NerdCon. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone con. 
I'll see you there. Live long and prosper. Visit TheUrbanNerdCon.net to get your buy one, get one free badges before the price increases. Remember, our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Compress the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot of and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Bills inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Let's get into this next discussion. I'm going to put some of these together because in a lot of ways, in terms of timing, uh, there may be different reasons why they are here, but in terms of the timing, they're all on the same page. As I just ended the last segment, I told you that signing day uh, in February is essentially a month away, month and a day away, right? Tomorrow, you're literally a month away. Um, and so whether it is a coach leaving on their own accord because the opportunity affords them to do that at FAMU or whether it's Texas Southern where there is the board uh, and the administration making a decision on what direction they want to go or even at Morehouse where we haven't heard in terms of who their next coach is. Um, in a lot of ways, the same framework comes up in terms of or regardless of why you're here. What does this mean in terms of moving forward? How do you uh, look at this? Because some people would say, hey, this coaching search is extremely important and you need to get the right person. So if it takes more time to do that, let's do that. Other folks said, hey, you still need to understand the map that you are operating in in terms of the recruiting circle and what does it mean for your program and uh, how far it can put you behind if you do not get a coach in a timely manner uh, in terms of that. So, Charles, where do you land on that framework? I think you lost a sizzle with regards to recruiting if you have not uh, dipped your uh, toes in the water with the early signing period. I mean, the, the reality of it with the transfer portal, uh, a lot of your better players, they're committed somewhere within that, that early signing period. So in the process of you doing everything to get it right, you put your coach behind, and that's the reality of it. That's an intriguing point, and I think a good point in a lot of ways because the landscape has changed. Uh, oddly enough, you may have been able to get away with this a little more, you know, five years ago even. Uh, but with the transfer portal, which is new to the system, the NIL, uh, even though you might not see that as very heavily at the FCS level, it does exist. Uh, and, and it works in its own manner. Obviously, the normal period with JUCOs uh, early with people committing in terms of what that looks like. And then getting into February, we have high school students that are graduating early to make their decision to get involved in spring practice or what that looks like. So as Charles alluded to, Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of what does that look like when you're either uh, waiting this long to look for a coach or uh, opening comes begging to you, and you still have to look for a coach, i.e. Texas Southern, FAMU, and Morehouse College. Yeah, I completely agree 100%. Um, you can have the best management in place. Tiffany, Dr. Tiffany Don Sykes has done a tremendous job. The FAMU, as TB alluded to, FAMU family, they've done a ter- terrific job of step in place. All that considered, you throw in the dynamics, the transfer portals. You throw in the dynamics of getting JUCO commits early. There's a certain piece that you miss that you've lost. 
a certain, you know, Charles calls it a sizzle. I call it the top five, 10 percent that you may have lost those recruits just because the dynamic of this world of recruiting has changed. And when you lose a coach to the caliber of Coach Simmons like this, you know, and then in this way, much preparation is like you still lose a good, a certain portion of those recruits that you have. And, you know, the the model's got to change, but, I mean, get, you know, hats off the fam. They did a great job to prepare as much as possible. But I still, there's a certain shape, a certain portion of those recruits that you still lost, a sizzle in your recruiting program with that loss. You just also alluded in the last segment in terms of how big recruiting is for folks that are familiar with that area. Uh, we've seen a lot of ways that Texas and Florida go at each other in terms of best players, who has the most talent. Obviously, uh, Charles will kind of buffer that when you talk about per percentage of the capital of an area. He wants to make sure that Mississippi gets his name put in there. But for this discussion in terms of Florida and Texas, you also have unique systems where a lot of folks believe either it's with HBC respectively or just in general that these are areas where um, you need to have connections with the high school uh, coaches in both areas. So what dynamic does that play in your mind when you're either talking about Texas uh, in terms of Texas Southern University or Florida in terms of Florida A&M, both public HBCUs, prominent HBCUs in those states in regards to considering or looking for a coach that is connected uh, and has connections uh, with that with that state, particularly the high school program versus maybe bringing somebody from the outside and giving them a chance to get that right. Let me go to you, Charles, in terms of your thoughts on that first. Um, It's tremendously important. Um, uh, When you're talking about uh, that, and we we talked about relationships, that relationships, uh, that coaches are able to build with the high school coaches. Uh, and even from the standpoint of that that individual that's gotten away from you, that has gone to a power five, but it still has the relationship with his high school coach, uh, for you to come in and, and, and make a big implant with that, with that high school coach who still has the ear of that athlete that is looking to, you know, transfer back, that's huge. So uh, you just don't have an opportunity to diddle around uh, with regards to uh, the, the hiring process, uh, you have to be definitive. You can't be caught, you know, flat-footed with this. And, and that's and I don't know. For me, as as a, as a fan of HBCU ball, as a fan of Texas Southern, a fan of SWAG, uh, that it has to sit weird with me to see the way that this has, that this has played out. Um, if you're going to put trust in your vice president of intercollegiate athletics to make the hire, I'll laugh for that to happen. Well, well said. Well said in a lot of ways. Mike? I agree. Again, I agree 150%. You've got to open the doors to build relationships. You know, uh, that is a tremendous factor. Again, I can't, I, I hate to say it, it's not like relationships drive success, not only in business, but in sports and recruiting. And if those relationships are maintained, that's a lifeline of recruiting. If you don't have coaching, if you don't have administrative and success that understands that concept, then your program takes a downfall because those success, those relationships are maintained. I kid, I will never, I'll even share with you that 
even in the Prairie View chat line, it, you know, you can say what you want about the chat line, but you know, there was batter about, hey, you know, that coach and that that staff should build a camp next to Duncanville and Minnesota, Division Six A, One A, Division Six One, uh, Division One Six, and Division Six Two. Uh, champs protect. They should build a camp there, you know. And you know, those are things you'd like to see. Uh, was it South Oak Cliff as well? Yeah, South Oak Cliff. I mean, there's that's a big circle. That's take, a big circle. Yeah. Take a take a page out of the Miami book of the '80s and the early 2000s, and build draw a circle and then mm-hmm. develop a relationship with these coaches and staff. And tell me, you won't have a successful organization. You could say Louisiana, Acadiana Christian, Lafayette, Acadiana Christian. Same thing in Louisiana. It's the same thing from state to state. Build local relationships, build a circle. That is the key to a successful program. So let me ask this question. If you're Texas Southern, do you not put on staff somebody from a Duncanville or a DeSoto or a North Shore or some of these Ooh. Some of these football factories. Do you I, love not- it I love it when genius comes to the forefront. Say it again. Say that again, CB. Get somebody in your camp that knows these organizations. Bring I'll give you two, two examples. Um, Texas, they're just now getting back at the top. Mike opened it up saying he's down there. Uh, last time you seen this kind of synergy was Mac Brown. Obviously, Vincent Young, he was in there. We know yeah. what he did to climax that. But one of the things that Mac – Brown did is he brought in three high school coaches, one from the region, regional uh, areas, rural areas, if you would, and then one out of Dallas, a legendary coach in that area, and one out of Houston. And for 10, 12 years, it worked uh, in a way that Texas was running off 10 wins like uh, what we see Alabama to this day. And we say Alabama's doing that. Fam, you, when we just talked about Willie Simmons. Billy Rose. One of the people talk about Rose, right? Coach Rose. Yeah. Northwestern legend. Uh, with multiple school, multiple state championships. He came on board, still works with him. Uh, he had to do the retirement system in Florida, is my understanding, is one of the reasons he stepped off of the staff in terms of being paid by him, but he still worked uh, as an assistant uh, for no pay because of the requirement. But one of the things he did was just what you talked about, his connections with the high schools, particularly in what a lot of people say is that rich Miami-Dade, South Florida area. And with this new transfer portal, he was able to go back to those players that come out of that area that, for whatever reason, uh, were ready to move over, whether it was because they graduated and they wanted a new chapter, couldn't play with the schools, or they were somewhat disgruntled. We saw that with a lot of those uh, Florida State guys, just one example, that came over, they were from a certain area. And obviously they got back in the portal because of that in uh, waiting to see who was the coach. So you make great points when you look at it that in terms of that perspective. Two last things I want to get off before we kind of close it out today. Um, similar things but switching. Uh, another part of this coaching thing is somebody put out there in terms of the 2002 media guy, which had the 12 coaches, which remembers the second year of SWAC expansion with moving from 10 institutions, HBCUs, 12. And in 2022, uh, they had marked off all the coaches that were no longer with their institution. There were only three. So it immediately dawned to me that two of the three coaches that were remaining had just in there 
uh, first year, second year, if you would, in regards to when that came out. And so I went back to 2021 and looked at the media guide, the first year of expansion, uh, you know, three years ago, now going into 2024, Charles, Mike, only one coach, one coach <laughs> remains in the SWAC at their same institution, not even three years later. Is this also a different era that we're in? Will we see more of this, or is this just um, a fact? You know, how does this play because of the economics associated with the SWAC championship game and how much money is associated with that? Obviously, uh, the new interest of what we've been following since day one we know it's taking a lather when you talk about people's interest going there. We've seen the attendance climb. We've seen the ratings climb with the cricket celebration bowl under the leadership of John Grant. How much of that is also, you know, mixed in that gumbo pot in regards to where we're going uh, with coaches leaving one on their own accord because they opportunities or because they don't get it. Or the done fan base will run you off. Yeah. The fan base and the administrators say, all right, it's time to go. It's enough. Let's go in a different direction. Charles, you jumped in there, so go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I mean, it, it underscores what what I'm, I I think is the case. Uh, either your success will take you away, or the fan base will take you away. I mean, there there's your yeah, failure. Your, your failure. It's one of the two. That uh, you know, you're hired to be fired. So I, we we just we are in that sort of phase, not just with HBCU coaches, but that, that I think that's in the coaching profession oh, yeah. in general. You know. Which is, as I said, is going to drive up the market value of coaches. The more volatile your position, the higher that you're going to be able to command uh, for what people got to pay you. So just consider that. Mike? No, same same thing. I, I think it's it's the new norm. I mean, you, you look at you look at what what's changed in the last three years, it's the new norm, whether it be whether it be the uh, alumni that drives you off or whether it be our new opportunities or whether it be opportunities that didn't exist, you know, three years ago, I think it's a new norm. And at, at one's going to come to head at some point. And Charles, don't think, don't think social media does not play into this as well. Oh, bingo. Because bingo. it, it is, it fires up the engine in terms of, you know, well, and, and you see it, nightly on a Saturday night when a team loses. I mean, fan bases are apoplectic. You know, it's amazing to watch. It's, it really is. And, I mean, and you, 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 I you sit there and kind of think. better SAT word as they said. You're exactly <laughs> right. We talk about transfer portal, NIL, the money associated with the cricket celebration, but we actually had challenge and social media that really didn't quite exist like they do now five years ago. Certainly yeah. not two years ago. Yeah, like Mark, yeah, market market drives market. In addition to social media driving that, don't think that they're not looking at the other side of the market. If Coach Willie is doing this, if Coach Prime is doing this, if this coach is doing this, the expectations have increased. That market value has gone up. That market yep. becomes more yep. volatile, and that drives the price up as well and the expectation. Yeah, you're right. One or two years, Coach coming in the league, having that level of success, you're two or three uh, coming into the conference, having that level of success, yeah, mm. that does spread along in regards to that. And to pinpoint that, no longer does it mean as much just to win your division. 
winning a division used to be a pretty successful sign. I mean, that's the right bare minimum me. now. <laughs> I don't think that that is the same thing level right. of success as well. It's like, no, I need you to win the conference championship. And if you're not careful, the next thing is going to be talking about, I need you to win the celebration, bro. There it uh, is. The last thing I would say with that, I want to get, I promise I would do this and I'd be remiss. You didn't do that. I want to hear your top two, three. If you want to go to five, you can do that as well. A 2023. And you know, what were your salient HBC sporting moments in 2023? Uh, Mike, you, you want to start this off? I'll give you one uh, of myself was the fact that uh, the SWAC, obviously with FAMU, the Rattlers, if you would, winning the Celebration Bowl. Uh, but this is the first time since the beginning of the Celebration Bowl and the MEAC SWAC Challenge, which actually goes back, obviously, longer. This is the first time the SWAC has won both, that they were able to capture both the MEAC SWAC Challenge and the Celebration Bowl. Obviously, second time that the SWAC has won the Celebration Bowl. First time, as you know, was with Grambling. And that year was the year that Alcorn went down to Bethune-Cookman. And while they were leading at halftime, that game was canceled because of lightning. So there goes a little history as we look back, not only just 2023, but that standing out quite a bit to me. Mike, you want to give your two or three highlights of 2023? You know I didn't me? have. I'm sorry. I didn't have a chance for them to give this thought. I know you put it out there. That was only one time. I saw notes, but if I had to, think, I would have to say the failure of North Carolina Central to make it back. That defeat mm. to me was big. And then I would have to say the dismissing of Hugh Jackson and Dooley almost within a month time frame of each other. Uh, that really sent shockwaves in the swag. Yeah, man, that was two big ones when you talk yeah. about it. Both of those teams looked like they were on a collision course. There was one point before that loss to Howard by North Carolina Central. Both teams were not only one and two in the HBC rankings, including ours right here, Dr. Bills inside the HBC Sports Lab, where FAMI won the national championship in Dr. Bills HBC poll ranking, which has been going on for 20 years now, and counting, 22 to be exact. Uh, both of them were top 10 in the FCS poll ranking. So you're talking about, wow, how that would have changed the dynamics. Not to belabor the fact that Howard Bison showed it on the field and got it done and certainly represented well in the Cricket Celebration Bowl. With that being said, Charles, what are some of your highlights of the year? Uh, I think, the, uh, let me go back. The first one is uh, Southern's women's basketball, knocking off Jackson State the sweat tournament. Uh, that was a moment. Uh, that I, I certainly remembered in terms of uh, any team, uh, anytime we look at a team that has that sort of an inevitability sort of thing where we pencil them in to the championship and they get derailed, that, that's the moment that sticks out in my head. Uh, obviously, FAMU winning the, uh, the uh, Celebration Bowl for the, for the SWAC, that was huge. Uh, another one uh, that I remember vividly, Edward Waters knocking out Tuskegee on Tuskegee's homecoming, uh, Hail Mary. If you remember that one, and remember the call with that, that was a moment uh, that stuck out in my head. Uh, another moment, and Doc, we were there for that, uh, MEAC SWAC Challenge. Uh, Jackson State beating South Carolina State. The Jackson State fan base chanting TC's name uh, at the end of the game. Uh, for the turmoil 
that Jackson State's fan base has sort of gone through in that offseason to have that moment with their new coach. I thought that was one of those uh, moments that stood out for me this past year. Uh, and I would be remiss, uh, the, the female kickers that we saw in the HBCU uh, space, uh, Leilani Armento uh, with Jackson State. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the other, other young lady, but I believe she played a shot. Uh, but uh, uh, those were a couple of things that um, that, that stood out for me. Indiana Indiana Pulpus. Yeah, Indiana Pulpus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, those definitely stand out. And then, you know, obviously, when you have a, a legend that leaves the game, Buddy Pitt, uh, that, that was uh, huge uh, in terms of uh, the last to me of the old guard of coaches that spent significant amount of time at an institution, uh, he might go down as the last one. Yeah, that's a great point when you put it like that. As everything we talked about previous to this, uh, his era in terms of longstanding coaches, he may be the last of his kind in regards to being able to have that type of legacy. And to go out as uh, winning the cricket celebration about two years ago, uh, was fascinating to see that he got a chance to stamp it in a lot of ways and make an announcement before, as you talked about earlier, T.C. Taylor, South Carolina State. So it was kind of like out with the old, in yeah. with the new. That's uh, yeah. to kind of see how that tagged on one another. Uh, the final one I will put out here uh, that's fascinating to me is Fifth Women's Gymnastics makes waves and how they kind of stormed the industry in a lot of ways. I'd be remiss if I really didn't uh, point them out in terms of that. And sure. just the kudos in a lot of ways to the women championship, uh, obviously Olympic sports. Um, Charles did uh, a shout out there in regards to women's basketball, but a lot of times you don't get it in softball, uh, volleyball, and some of the history that was made this year with those teams that made uh, championship runs. Prayer of you back to back in softball. Uh, the role that Jackson State did in terms of the volleyball championship, defeating yeah. uh, one and twos along their way and some rivals to take care of it. be on the three-peat in softball. Yep, three-peat with women. Uh, Prayer of you, sorry about that. I said two, but three-peat in terms of what they were able to do in fine fashion. Shout out to them. And some of the history was made in the MIAC with uh, the first, North Carolina Central getting their first softball championship. Coppin State getting their first volleyball championship so big big in terms of those moments and not to leave out some of the uh, mid-major level with Langston what they were able to do to glue in terms of only one loss yeah. where they got ranked in the NI tournament for one uh, loss in terms of a non-HBC team I thought they should have been treated a little bit better than that uh, but both of those teams deserve some kudos in terms of what they look like uh, the expansion, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes of the GCHC in terms of how it was able to bounce back and solidify itself as a player on the HBCU sport stage as she came in essentially uh, coming out of the interim and taking a job full-time and really being able to expand the conference and put it on solid footing. So shout out to them, uh, obviously, with some big, big things of the year. So just kind of wanted to – Put my little final take on it uh, as we did Tuesday. Go back and do a fuller show on that. Hope you enjoyed what we did here. 
Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Niyata Bill, Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show today. We'll be back on Thursday. See if we can tease in a little more basketball as things will start off next week. I'm excited to see uh, what's going on. Shout out to Norfolk State, both on the men's and women's side. Getting it done. Shout out to Arkansas Pine Bluff on the women's side, playing some good. Jackson State is doing what they do. So some programs out there, really solid. Tennessee State on the men's side that look really good of late. North Carolina A&T on the women's side has played some really good basketball. But it's going to be interesting on the men's side for basketball, what this may look like, both in the MEAC and the SWAC. And don't forget what's going on with Winston-Salem State. Uh, starting off pretty hot in the CIAA. Uh, you had Clark Atlanta start off hot, but right now it looks like Morehouse, Benedict, really doing what they want to do on the men's side. So I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. Charles, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, you mentioned basketball, but, you know, you look up and we'll be in February and the ping of the bats will be out there. Shout out to Coach Jonathan Hernandez down there at Bethune Cookman. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're right into the midst of it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, see, we'll see Bethune and family win, Hey, man. Yeah, defending champions of the SWAC. And, you know, this is one league where we take baseball real serious over in the SWAC. Real serious. I'm roughing the SWAC. That goes for football. Basketball carries us through, both men's and women's. When we turn that page, we like a little bit of that softball. But, man, when you talk about the pains and backs of baseball, uh, we're going to go down there. Uh, it's my understanding heading back to Atlanta for the championship game. Uh, 18 deep. We'll see if that hands, hangs holds true for this year. Fascinating to see the regular season race in terms of the division and what it will mean in terms of the final uh, sport for the conference in the SWAC to see who picks up that final trophy. And oftentimes it goes a long way to seeing who's going to get the final dibs in the all SWAC trophy awards as well. Yeah. Mike, mm-hmm. any last words you want to have since I gave one to Charles? Any last comments? No, no, we're going to bat and also we're going to bat uh, for the track and field. Oh, don't commit. Uh, got the outdoor team. Yes, yeah. Love that speed. Love that speed. And again, we want to yeah. thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watch, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock. We look forward to Thursday to give you the latest news in the lab. And the way things are turning, you better stay tuned because you never know what we need to talk about to keep you up and give you a different perspective <laughs> than everybody else out there. Follow me, Dr. Niata Cabil, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, Inside the HBC Sports Lab. I'm getting it done on Twitter, what they call now X, formerly known as Twitter. I'll give you some insights, a lot of discussion out there now with these changes people are bringing back up. What does it mean for HBCUs at the FCS level to consider going FBS? And so I've been able to provide some frameworks of what that may or may not look like. If you want more, just keep up. We'll give you those updates. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. This Smith. Say, Mike, save me one of those. One of what? One of, one of, one of the drinks you got. <laughs> oh. I know you down to sip those folks. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, baby. Uh.
I'm in the I'm in the bar and everybody all the UT fans think I'm doing a UT. Thing. I know while 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 we're still alive, we'll wait on we'll wait on Roy to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey man. Roy, go ahead and roll it. <laughs> yeah, got folks doing like this to me. I'm not